bestbookbits.com brings you the book summary of Never Finished, Unshackle Your Mind and Win the War Within by David Goggins. This is not a self-help book, it's a wake-up call. Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins' smash hit memoir demonstrated how much untapped ability we all have, but was merely an introduction to the power of the mind. In Never Finished, Goggins takes you inside his mental lab, where he developed the philosophy, psychology, and strategies that enabled him to learn that what he thought was his limit was only his beginning and that the quest for greatness is unending. The stories and lessons in this raw, revealing, unflinching memoir offers the reader a blueprint they can use to climb from the bottom of the barrel into a whole new stratosphere that once seemed unattainable. Whether you feel off course in life, unlooking to maximize your potential, or drain your soul to break through your so-called glass ceiling, this is the only book or summary you will ever need. On with the book summary. Warning order. Time zone. 24-7. Task. Organization. Solo mission. Number one. Situation. Your horizons have been limited by societal and self-imposed barriers. Two. Mission. Fight through resistance. Seek unknown territory. Redefine what's possible. Three. Execution. A. Absorb the philosophy within. Test all theories to the best of your ability. Repeat. Repetition will sharpen new skills and stimulate growth. B. This will not be easy. To succeed, you'll be required to face hard truths and challenge yourself like never before. This mission is about embracing and learning the lessons from each and every evolution so you can discover who you really are and can become. C. Self-mastery is an unending process. Your job is never finished. And four classified. The real work is unseen. Your performance matters most when nobody is watching. Introduction. There are times in life when we become so disconnected from ourselves that we must drill down and rewire those cut connections in our hearts, minds, and souls. That is the only way to rediscover and reignite belief that flicker in the darkness with the power to spark your evolution. Life is the mountain we are all climbing, but hope is not an anchor point. It's too soft, fluffy, and fleeting. There's no substance behind hope. It's not a muscle you can develop, and it's not rooted deep down. It's an emotion that comes and goes. There are two levels to belief. There's a surface level, which our coaches teachers and therapists and parents love to preach. Believe in yourself, they all say, as if that thought alone can keep us afloat when the odds are against us in the battle of our lives. But once exhaustion sets in, doubt and insecurity tend to penetrate and dissipate that flimsy brand of belief. Then there's the belief born in resilience. It comes from working your way through layers of pain, fatigue, and reason. A lot of folks feel like they're missing something in their lives, something money can't buy, and that makes them miserable. They attempt to fill the void with material things they can see, feel, and touch, but that empty feeling won't go away. It fades some until all gets quiet again. Then that familiar gawning in their gut returns, reminding them that the life they are living is not the fullest expression of who they are or might become. Unfortunately, most people are not desperate enough to do anything about it. When you're hog-tied in conflicting emotions and other people's opinions, it's impossible to tap into belief 
and easy to drift away from the urge to evolve. I'm haunted by my future goals, not by my past failures. I'm haunted by what I may still become. I'm haunted by my own continued thirst for evolution. The work is often as miserable and thankless as it ever was. And although there are techniques and skills I've developed that can help along the way, there is no certain number of principles, hours, or steps in this process. It's about constant effort, learning, and adaptation, which demands unwavering discipline and belief, that kind that looks a lot like desperation. Chapter 1. Maximize Minimal Potential When you're living in hell, the only way to find our way out is to confront the devil himself. Roger that. It ain't your fucking fault that you were dealt a bad hand, but it is your responsibility. How long will you allow your past to hold you back before you finally take control of your future? I accepted the hard truth that hoping and wishing are like gambling on long shots, and if I wanted to be better, I had to start living every day with a sense of urgency. Because that is the only way to turn the odds in your favor, a sense of urgency. Reality can be a mofo when all your excuses are stripped away and you are exposed for exactly who and what you have become. But the truth can also be liberating. Evolution number one. Like medics on the scene of a car accident, we all must act with a sense of urgency and tune into that ticking clock in the back of our minds. Because there is a drop dead time on everything we do in life. All our dreams and visions come with expiration dates attached in invisible ink. Windows of opportunities can and do close, so it's imperative that we do not waste time on bullshit. You have been preoccupied by bullshit for way too long. It's time to switch your focus to the things that will slingshot you forward. Chapter 2. Merry Effing Christmas. She needed to take her soul back and introduced herself to herself. Denial is self-protecting, but it's also self-limiting. Accepting your full truth, including all your faults, imperfections, and missteps, allows you to evolve, expand your possibilities, seek redemption, and explore your true potential. And until you unpack your baggage, it will be impossible to know what your potential really is. The whole truth can't haunt you if it serves you. Never be satisfied. This shit ain't permanent. Life is the ultimate competitor. It takes no days off, and it won't care if you've made some money or got a promotion at work. All that means is you are good to go for a moment or two. No matter how badass or successful you think you are, trust me, there is a semi coming around a blind curve, ready to smack you in the effing mouth when you are comfortable as all hell. Evolution 2. Many people write out their darkest moments in a journal or diary and hope to gain some leverage on whatever it is they survived or are struggling to overcome. Goggins kept a journal for years, but there are levels to this shit, and a written archive is an entry level. Audio recordings are more interactive and accessible and have a more profound effect on the mind. If you were bullied, abused, or sexually assaulted and are willing to speak the un- filtered truth into a microphone and listen to it over and over after a period of time, it will become just another story. A powerful story, for sure, but the poison will be neutralized and the power will be yours. The way we speak to ourselves in moments of doubt is critical, whether or not the stakes are high, because our words become actions 
and our actions build habits that can coat our minds and bodies with the plaque of ambivalence, hesitancy, and passivity, and separate us from our own lives. If any of this sounds familiar, grab your phone and record your inner dialogue as soon as you wake up. Don't hold back. Spill all your dread, laziness, and stress into the mic. Now listen to it. Nine times out of ten, you won't like what you hear. It will make you cringe. You won't want your girlfriend or boyfriend, your boss, or your kids to hear your unfiltered weakness, but you should. Because then you can repurpose it. You can use it to remind yourself that changes must be made. Listening might inspire you to commit to your life in a deeper way, to be your best at work, at school, or in the gym. It can challenge you to rewire the narrative so that when you bed down, you won't feel like you've wasted another valuable day. Do it again the next morning, but this time, once you get through listening to all your whining about the shit you don't want to do, sit up in bed and lay down for a second take. Pretend you're motivating a friend or a loved one who's going through challenges. Be respectful of the issues they face, but be positive, forceful, and realistic too. This is a skill that demands repetition, and if you do it regularly, you'll find out that it won't take long for your self-talk to flip from doubt and dread to optimism and empowerment. The conditions of your life might not change a whole lot at first, but your words will make sure that your approach does change, and that will eventually enable you to shift everything. But you must speak the truth and be willing to listen to it. Don't be afraid of your weakness or doubt. Don't be embarrassed and pretend it doesn't exist. If surfaced for a reason, so use it to flip the dynamic of your life. It's time to make your own mixtape. Chapter 3, The Mental Lab Looked at each day as an opportunity to mine the negativity that had colonized my brain and become fascinated by the power of the mind and how it can work for us and against us. Often it falls prey to the merry-go-round of emotions and situational conditions that cause confusion and sap us of our focus, force, and fortitude, all of which have a natural tendency to ebb and flow like the tide. If you don't feel like you're good enough, if your life lacks meaning and time feels like it's slipping through your fingers, there is only one option. Recreate yourself in your own mental lab. Somewhere you can be alone with your thoughts and wrestle with the substance of what and who you want to be in your one short life on earth. If it feels right, create an alter ego to access some of that dark matter in your own mind. That's what Goggins did. In his mind, David Goggins wasn't the savage mofo who accomplished all the hard shit. It was Goggins who did that. While money doesn't always make you happy, it damn sure can make you feel satisfied, and satisfaction is a hop step from complacency. Weekend warriors do hard things when they fit into their busy schedules. They do them for a check, a box, and only when they want to. Then, they dial it back after a couple of long, hard days. When you are a full-time savage, it's a lifestyle. There are no want-to, there is only must-do. You cannot lose the core of who you are. Your core is your stability. It's what dictates how you move through the world. Physically, when your core muscles are weak, you are literally a pushover. Psychologically, when your core values come into question, it's easy to lose yourself. You are either getting better or getting worse. You're not staying the same. And I'd failed to heed my own words. I wasn't training to gain any longer. 
I had become a maintenance man. And while it's certainly possible to maintain muscle tone and a certain level of cardiovascular fitness, you cannot maintain the savage mind. If you stop grabbing iron with your bare hands, they will lose their calluses. Your mind works the same way. You have to fight to keep your mindset of getting up every day to get after it because it wants to go away. Long before the body goes soft, the mind will have softened. The ego is an amazing force. The more I heard about my own success, the more tempting it became to coast as I'd finally arrived. Even though I know that their journey never ends and there is always more work to do. When life stops kicking you in the teeth and serves you a big bowl of praise pudding instead, it's easy to feel that you are the big man, especially if that level of respect was hard earned. But praise, whether it comes from your supervisors, your family, or anyone else, has a downside. It can soothe the inner savage and keep you from feeling the need to grind. A chance to prove myself to be uncommon amongst the uncommon once again. The world needs doctors, lawyers, teachers, but we also need savages to prove that we are capable of so much more. Evolution number three. Many dreams die while suffering. Think about it. We conjure our biggest dreams, our more audacious goals, when we feel safe and warm. Even if you're struggling financially, emotionally, spiritually, or physically, your grand plan to defy the odds probably came in a moment of comfort, when you had the time to evaluate where you are and how you got there. There is no space for big picture thinking when you're in the heat of battle, when all is calm, even temporarily. Damn near anything can feel possible, so that's when you dream it up and map it all out. You realize that your warmth just costs you a piece of your soul, if not the whole damn thing, which can lead to a lifetime of regret. The life I desired was on the other side of surf torture. I did not cave into emotion and quit. When people do that, they aren't even making an actual decision to quit. It's a default reaction to distress. Everything in life comes down to how we handle those critical seconds. When psychological, physical, or emotional pressure red lines, your adrenal glands go haywire and you are no longer in control. What separates a true savage from everybody else is the ability to regain control of their mind in that split second, despite the fact that it is all still effed. Life like Hell Week is built on seconds that you must win repeatedly. I'm not saying you have to be hyper aware every second of your life, but if you are pursuing something that demands all you've got and means the world to you, that is often what it takes. When you are trying to lose weight or quit drinking or using drugs, your moments of weakness can be counted in seconds and you'll need to be ready to win those seconds. Moments of doubt aren't unavoidable when we take on any strenuous task. I've used the one second decision to regain my composure and win hundreds of small battles during ultra races on the pull-up bar and in stressful work situations. And the first step is to mentally take a knee. When you're in the grip of life and in danger of losing your shit, just think, it's time to take a knee, get a couple of breaths and flash to your future. If you fold, what will happen next? What's your plan B? This is not some deep contemplation. There is no time to order a pizza and hash it out with other people. This happens in seconds. It helps to remind yourself of what you're good at and where you excel so when you have to engage in something that is hard for you, it doesn't become overwhelming. Tell yourself, 
I'm good here. I'm great there. This sucks, but it will be over in 20 minutes, maybe 20 miles or 20 days or 20 weeks, but it doesn't matter. Every experience on earth is finite. It will end someday, and that makes it doable. But the outcome hinges on those critical seconds you must win. If you can withstand the suffering, take a knee and make a conscious one-second decision in a critical juncture. You will learn perseverance and gain strength by winning the moment. You will know what it takes and how it feels to overcome all that loud doubt, and that will stay with you too. It will become a powerful skill you can use again and again to find success no matter what scenario you're in or where life takes you. Never quit when your pain and insecurity are at their peak. If you must retreat, quit when it's easy, not when it's hard. Control your thought process and get through the most difficult test first. That way, if you do bow out, you'll know it wasn't reaction based on panic. Instead, you've made a conscious decision based on reason and had time to devise your plan B. Respect is earned every day by waking up early, challenging yourself with new dreams or digging up old nightmares and embracing the suck like you have nothing and have never done a damn thing in your life. There are 86,400 seconds in a day. There are 86,400 seconds in a day. Losing just one of those seconds can change the outcome of your day and potentially your life. Chapter 4. A Savage Reborn I learned long ago that no matter what type of event or challenge I engage in, the only competition that ever matters is me against me. Life is not a pass-fail, it's about impact and effort. In life, there are plenty of false summits. We all take a punch like that every once in a while, but those who tend to crane their necks looking for the crest of the mountain as they beg for their suffering to end are the ones who get smashed the most by any false summit. We have to learn to stop looking for a sign that the hard times will end. When the distance is unknown, it is even more critical that you stay locked in so the unknown factor doesn't steal your focus. Remember, the struggle is the whole journey. Why not spend one single day doing something I'll be proud of for the rest of my life? When you're climbing a mountain or involved in any other difficult task, the only way to free yourself from the struggle is to finish it. The full-time savage sees everything in life as an opportunity to learn, adapt, and evolve. I used to take snapshots like that all the time. When I was a full-time savage, if you said something smart to me, I talked shit right back to you and used your disrespect as ammunition to propel me into whatever effed up task or race or workout I had lined up next, and there was always something. We all have that ferocity, that dog inside of us. It's a natural response to provocation, a close cousin of the survival instinct. But most of us keep it chained up and locked away behind closed doors because it's the savage side of ourselves doesn't mix well with this civilized world. It's obsessive. It's always hungry, always looking for scraps of nourishment and finds them in competition, failure, and disrespect. If you want to maximize the minimal potential and become great in any field, you must embrace your savage side and become imbalanced, at least for a period of time. You'll need to funnel every minute of every single day into the pursuit of that degree, that starting spot, that job, that edge. Your mind must never leave the cockpit, sleep at the library or the office. 
There are no days offs, and there are no downtime when you're obsessed with being great. That is what it takes to be the baddest mofo ever at what you do. Know that your dedication will be misunderstood. Some relationships may break down. The savage is not a socialized beast, and an imbalanced lifestyle often appears selfish from the outside. You should always beware of spitting in the wind. Evolution 4. Destruction always breeds creation. Have the courage and mental endurance to do whatever it takes to start knocking down those walls. You are the warden of your life. You are the warden of your life. Don't forget, you hold the keys. Chapter 5. Discipline on Discipline. Scars are the proof that the past is real. Physical scars never go away and when you look at them, they can bring you right back to a specific place in time. Because there is no transformation without breakdowns and there is always another evolution, another skin to shed, a better or deeper version of ourselves waiting to be revealed. There's an old saying in the military that if you are stupid, you better be hard. Allow discipline to seep into your cells until work becomes a reflex as automatic as breathing. With discipline as your medium, your life will become a work of art. Discipline builds mental endurance because when effort is your main priority, you stop looking for everything to be enjoyable. A drive for self-optimization and daily repetition will build your capacity for work and give you confidence that you can take on more. With discipline as your engine, your workload and output will double, then triple. What you won't see, at least not at first, is the fact that your own personal evolution has begun to bear fruit. You won't see it because you'll be too busy taking action. Discipline does not have a belief system. It transcends class, color, and gender. It cuts through all the noise and strife. If you think that you are behind the eight ball for whatever reason, discipline is the great equalizer. It erases all disadvantages. Nowadays, it doesn't matter where you are from or who you are. If you are disciplined, there will be no stopping you. Evolution number five. The higher I climb in my life, the more I realize how much I need to mop that floor, because that's where all that knowledge is. There is no grit at the top, no test of resolve in steak dinners, five-star hotels, or spa treatments. Once you make it in this world, you have the free fall back to the bottom in some way to keep learning and growing. I call this trained humility. It's a shedding of your skin that allows you to take on a mission that no one else can see or do whatever needs to be done next. Trained humility is a service but also strength. Continued growth only comes when you're willing to be humble. Chapter 6. The Art of Getting Hit in the Mouth It's funny how your goals are only as elastic as our sense of self and who we are and what we think we can accomplish. A lot of us grow out of life's shallow end, but stay there because we fear the unknown. Remember, if you stay where you've always been, you will never learn if you have what it takes to venture into the deep water. I knew there were no tricks around fear. The only way to neutralize it was to commit to doing the effing thing that freaked me out and then proceeded to outsmart my fear through knowledge and preparation. There are three critical requirements to maintaining a high level of situation awareness. The first is astute perception. You need to see the environment clearly. Finally, there is projection. Based on your perception and comprehension, what will your future status be? 
Whenever I go into non-thinking mode, I always fail. There is never time in your life when you should give it to the autopilot mentality. The best life lessons don't appear when things go well. It's when your goals and pretty plans turn to shit that you can see your flaws and learn more about yourself. You must take advantage of any opportunity to strengthen your resolve because when life hits you in the mouth, you will need that resolve. You must learn how to absorb life's haymakers without getting knocked down. You're not done yet, mofo. Evolution number six. Small minds and weak people kill big dreams. Small minds and weak people kill big dreams. You might have a clear goal and be working on yourself every day, but if you have the wrong folks around you, there's a good chance they could be sucking the life right out of you and making sure that you go nowhere. In military speak, the foxhole is a fighting position. In life, it's your inner circle. These are the people you surround yourself with. They know your history and are aware of your future goals and past limitations. But because it's a fighting position, a foxhole can be as easily become your grave. Once you find out who the F you are, the world will start delivering you care packages filled with opportunities that will fuel your quest. Not all friends and loved ones react the way when you change and become committed to perpetual growth. Some are generally offended and you don't need or want their voices in your head. When you evolve, your inner circle must evolve with you. Otherwise, you may subconsciously halt your growth to avoid outpacing and losing contact with the people who mean a lot to you but may not be able to hang with you. When there is no one around you who believes in or understands your quest, you must turn your foxhole into a one-man fighting position. That's okay. It's always better to fight alone. Loneliness can be difficult and depleting, but I'd much rather you stay lonely than crawl out of your foxhole and trek back through known territory into the arms of the very people who love the old you and were never comfortable with your transformation. Does this mean you have to end all relationships or burn all bridges? No, not necessarily, but doubters must be kept at arm's length and anyone in your inner circle must accept you for who you are and who you want to become. Who's in your foxhole? Chapter 7. The Reckoning Hope is not an anchor point. Unfortunate situations never last, but I knew that a bad attitude always lingers and can turn any setback into a tailspin. The only thing more infectious than a good attitude is a bad one. The more you dwell on the negative, the weaker you feel, and that weakness infects those around you. However, the reverse is also true. It's an unwritten natural law of the universe that you will be tested. You will get smacked in the effing face. No matter what life serves me, I say, roger that. Most people think roger that simply means order received. However, in the military, some people infuse roger with a bit more intention and define it as received, orders given, expect results. Received, orders given, expect results. Roger that is a ticket back to your life. No matter what happens, you may be laid off, run down, flunked out, cut, or dumped. You could be stressed out, bullied, young kid, an overweight veteran with no prospects, or simply handed a pair of crutches and told to sit tight on the sidelines for as long as it takes to heal. The answer is always Roger F and that. Scream it out loud. Tell them all that you heard what they had to say and that they can expect your very best in return. And don't forget to smile. A smile always reminds them that you are the most dangerous when you are cornered. That 
is how you respond to a setback. It's the most effective way to deal with adversity and come out clean. Very few individuals step outside the box and attempt to stretch their limits. They rule out the spectacular by default. They put a hard cap on their own performance way before game day. We all have one thing in common. We are here, stuck in the game of life, often subject to the whims of forces beyond our control, but we never train for it. We dedicate ourselves to external goals, whether they are rooted in fitness or school or work, as if they are isolated events, somehow disconnected from the totality of our lives. This awareness that everything we do is merely training for the next episode is like a filter that expands your perception. Just as stem cells produce a growth factor that stimulates cellular communication, muscle growth, and wound healing in the body, fear is a seed pod packed with growth factor for the mind. When you deliberately and consistently confront your fear of heights or particular people, places, and situations that unsettle you, those seeds germinate and your confidence grows exponentially. I'm not a freak, I said. I'm just a guy who believes in himself more than most. I'm aware of what we are all capable of and that to get there, I have to harness every bit of power and energy I can. Power that is within all of us and all around us. I use your weakness as strength. I use agitation as strength. I ignite my competitive spirit with yours to get me moving even faster. You don't know me, son. I howled. You don't know me, son. Evolution 7. It's no secret that the vast majority of people prefer to be led because it's easier to follow someone else than to break your own trail. Yet all too often, we are led by bosses, teachers, coaches, and powerful officials who wear the rank and title and deploy optimistic speeches, management lingo, and strategies they learned in some university or seminar, or from their colleagues at the table in the executive suite, but do not inspire us. Most of his work was hidden, but it was within that unseen work that self-leaders are made. You can prepare as if you were already there, so when the time comes and you do land that opportunity, you're ready to smash it. That's what a self-leader does. No matter how busy their lives are, not because they are obsessed with being the best, but because they are striving to become their best. The best way to lead a group is to simply live the example and show your team or classmates through dedication, effort, performance, and results what is truly possible. I took my own oath to self. I live with a day one, week one mentality. I live with a day one, week one mentality. This mentality is rooted in self-discipline, personal accountability, and humility. While most people stop when they're tired, I stop when I'm done. In a world where mediocrity is often the standard, my life's mission is to become uncommon amongst the uncommon. Sure, some will be put off by your dedication and the level of effort. Others will call you obsessed or think that you've gone crazy. When they do, smile and say, I'm not crazy, I'm just not you. Mind your core principles and come up with your own oath to self. Make sure it's aspirational and that it challenges you to strive and achieve and live by it every day. Chapter 8, Play Until the Whistle, Evolution 8. Most people live their whole lives without ever contemplating what it means to be great. To them, greatness looks like Steve Curry, Raphael Nadal, Toni Morrison, Giorgio O'Keefe, Wolfgang, Mozart, and Amelia Earnhardt. They put all their greats on a pedestal, but think of themselves as mere mortals, and that's exactly why greatness eludes them. 
They turn it into something untouchable, plain, impossible for almost anyone to reach, and it never even crosses their mind to aim for it. No matter what I'm doing or which arena I'm engaging in, I will always aim for greatness because I know that we are mere mortals and greatness is possible for anyone and everyone if they are willing to seek it out in their own soul. Greatness is a state of letting go of all your faults and imperfections, scavenging every last bit of strength and energy and putting it to use to excel at whatever you set your mind to. Success is just another mile marker on the journey. Just as words can be redefined, never doubt that we can redefine ourselves. It can feel impossible at times because we live in a world filled with arbitrary boundaries and fixed social lines that are as thick as the walls around a fortress. Worse, we allow those walls to limit us in too many ways. The brainwashing starts early and it starts at home. The people we grow up with and the environments we grow up in define who we think we are and what we think life is all about. When you're young, you can only know what you see and if all you are ever exposed to are lazy people content with mediocrity or who convince you of your own worthlessness, greatness will remain a fantasy. Identity is a trap that will keep you in the blinders if you let it. Sometimes, identity is what we are saddled with by society. Other times, it's a category we claim. It can be empowering to associate yourself with a particular culture, group, job, or lifestyle, but it can also be limiting. If you stick with your own too closely, you'll be susceptible to groupthink, and you may never learn who you really are or what you can accomplish. There are no prerequisites to becoming great. The real work, fighting those demons every moment and all day long is maddening because they only ever want to break you down. They don't encourage you or make you feel good about yourself or your long odds as you fight through all the toxic mold and the crust that is self-hate, doubt and loneliness. They want to limit you. They want you to surrender and retreat back to what you know. They want you to quit before you get to pliability where the sacrifice, hard work, and isolation that felt so heavy for so long becomes your heaven, where gather like an updraft and send you airborne and spiraling towards the outer limits of your known world. And last, chapter 9, ringing out the soul. The road to success is really a straight line. For me, it's always been more like a maze. Many times when I thought I'd finally cracked the code, had it all figured out, and found the straight path to certain victory, I hit a wall or got spun into a turnaround. When that happens, we have two choices. We can stay stuck or regroup, back up and try again. If you've lost, you do need to find your way back to belief. I never needed to be the hardest mofo in the world. That became a goal because I knew it would bring out my best self, which is what this effed up world needs from all of us. To evolve into the very best version of ourselves, that's a moving target, and it isn't a one-time task. It's a lifelong quest for more knowledge, more courage, more humility, and more belief. Because when you summon the strength and discipline to live like that, the only thing limiting your horizons is you. 
That's a wrap on this book summary, Never Finished, by David Goggins. Tell me what you think in the comments below. If you want a copy of the PDF summary, click the link below to download this. We at Best Book Vids have done over 1,000 book summaries in video, written, and audio format. We interview the best authors on the planet, so check our podcast out as well on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and if I can help you with either coaching, consulting, anything at all, let me know. I am an author myself and a life coach, so click the link below if you want to connect with me personally. Have yourself an amazing day and really realize that life is never finished. Take care. Bye-bye now.